Welcome in to episode 16 of the Ultimate Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Cade Costley. And that was Jumper by Third Eye Blind, released in 1998. And in my opinion, Third Eye Blind is one of the most underrated bands of all time. In their debut album, they released this song as well as Semi-Charmed Life and Graduate. Some of their greatest hits came from their first album. They came out of the gates sprinting. And this album went on to be six time, a six-time platinum album, which means they sold over six million copies. And this song in particular has always had a way of speaking to me. And I looked up some of the details in preparation for this podcast, and the meaning behind it is significant. In uh, interview with Stephen Jenkins, he outlined the story behind this song, Jumper. And this band all grew up in California. And there was a classmate that Stephen Jenkins went to school with. And he later in life found out this classmate's personal story. And this person had struggled with um, feeling a little bit isolated from society. They felt shunned by society. And so um, they ended up taking their life, and they did that on the Coronado Bridge in San Diego. And Stephen Jenkins wanted to memorialize this person that had lost their life, and so he felt like this song was a good way to uh, write a memoir uh, for that individual and to write it in the form of um, speaking to that person as if they were still alive. And what he would want to tell that individual and, and uh, what he would want them to know. This song is a message of inclusion, understanding, togetherness. And it's my opinion that this song is timeless. Um, when I listen to it today, just like I listened to it in the late 90s, it seems to have just as much of relevance today as it did back then. And I believe it's because uh, those principles of togetherness, understanding, inclusion are still things that we try to work on every single day as a society. And so in preparation for this episode, I felt like this song was very fitting for what we talk about um, on this podcast every episode about bringing each other together and cutting through the fabric of society and being a little bit more open and honest with those around us. Uh, my favorite line is the line where Stephen Jenkins is singing, you know, cut ties with all the lies that you've been living in. And I will circle back in a minute to that quote um, at a later portion of this episode. Today's episode is all about entertainment. We're going to be talking about some of my favorite movies, uh, some sleeper movies that I absolutely love, and maybe ones that 
you haven't seen before or want to look into. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, some other forms of entertainment and really kind of wrapping a big uh, bow around um, that topic. All right, let's get after it. It's only fitting. This is the ultimate fan. So I'm going to run through the movies that I feel I am the ultimate fan of that were entertaining or um, I felt like captivated me in some way. And the first category of movies that I'm going to run through are sleepers. And my definition of sleeper was a movie that did not win any awards. So these 10 movies, these 10 sleepers did not win any awards, but I felt like they are worth your time and energy. Number one is The Dilemma. If you were a fan of Vince Vaughn, this movie is hilarious. Um, I love Vince Vaughn. I love him in Dodgeball. I love him in Four Christmases. And this is much more of that dry humor uh, that Vince Vaughn is known for. So give The Dilemma a try if you like him. Uh, the next, number two, is Fever Pitch. I love Jimmy Fallon, and I love the Boston Red Sox, so it was only fitting that this movie made it into my sleepers list. Number three, if you like scary movies, this is a little bit different, um, but I love this movie. It's called The Fourth Kind. It's pretty messed up, um, and it's pretty scary, but it was a thriller back in the day. I haven't seen it in years, so don't quote me on a lot of the plot, but I remember that movie being uh, extremely scary. The next one is uh, 21, uh, all about counting cards in Vegas. I love the plot, and I love the movie. Um, number five is Molly's Game. Now, I have to put a little bit of a disclaimer on this. Um, I've got nieces and nephews that listen to this podcast. Um, you know, be advised, some of these movies have language or, um, you know, they have some restrictions on them. But you can get around that with VidAngel and some of these filtering services nowadays. And that's how I fell in love with this movie. The next one, Masterminds, if you want uh, a laugh, Masterminds is hilarious with uh, Zach Galifianakis and Owen Wilson. Number seven is Hardball. There's nothing cooler than a group of youth from Chicago playing baseball. And I watched that movie all the time growing up. I love the movie Hardball. You may not think it's a sleeper, but again, didn't win any awards. Number eight is Limitless, the movie, not the TV show. Uh, this came out in probably the mid-2000s, and I love it. Uh, number nine, a little bit crude, but year one is uh, hilarious as well. Another great comedy about the Bible. And then uh, number 10, the last one on the list, is 13 Lives. I just recently watched this about the soccer team that got tra trapped in the cave. It's a true story, and you will need a brown paper bag watching this movie uh, to breathe into because it is super suspenseful.
Okay, next category is documentaries. If you love documentaries like I do, here's six documentaries that you may enjoy watching. Number one is Bleeding Edge. It's all about capitalism in the hospital world, um, overseeing devices and doctors. And as someone that's been on that side of the world, um, I thought that it was very well put together and very interesting. Uh, number two is abducted in plain sight. Is mind-boggling how naive these parents are in this story. Number three, murder amongst the Mormons. Um, never knew being a Utah Mormon. I never knew uh, this story until I watched this documentary on Netflix. The next two are uh, climbing documentaries, Free Solo and The Alpinist. Uh, it's insane to me the levels that some people are willing to go to for a thrill of climbing uh, mountains. But these two documentaries will blow your mind. And the last one is Jinx. It's a murder documentary. They dive into the details of uh, long forgotten murder and uncover some new evidence through the course of the documentary. Pretty interesting. All right, the next category is the best movie of 2022. And it was not Jurassic World Dominion. It was not the new Batman. That movie's horrible. It was not Top Gun Maverick. My favorite movie of 2022 was Elvis. For those of you that have seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But for those of you that haven't, go out and watch it as soon as you can. Rent it even because it's worth it. I knew nothing about Elvis. I didn't even like his music. And this documentary, or well, it's really a movie about his life, a reenactment of his life, totally changed uh, the way that I look at him. And I've even became a big fan of a lot of his music because of this movie. All right, now in this segment, I'm gonna run through my all-time top 10 favorite movies. And to break this up a little bit, make this a little bit more entertaining in the, in the spirit of entertainment. As I run through these 10, I'm going to go in descending order. So from 10 down to one, I will play a brief clip from that movie as I go. And I have to say, this was far more difficult than I ever anticipated to limit my lifetime of entertainment down to 10 individual movies um, was difficult. And there's some on this list even that I'm debating if I should remove them and replace uh, with other great options. But um, in an effort to have this re ready for today's podcast, this is what I got. All right, so here's the first clip. Number 10, that was The Warrior, released in 2011 with Tom Hardy. Uh, he's facing his brother in the movie, two former boxers, 
in a mixed martial arts tournament. My soul is as ready to escape as my body. Fear is why you fail. No, I'm not afraid. I'm angry. Number nine, that was Dark Knight Rises, released in 2012 with Christian Bell as Batman. This Batman series has proven to be one of my favorites of all time. Got room for one more if you still want to go to Aspen. Where did you find that? Some kid back in town. Traded the van for it straight up. I can get 70 miles to the gallon on this hog. You know, Lloyd, just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> Number eight. That was Dumb and Dumber, released in 1994. That should need no introduction. This is the greatest comedy of all time. Would you be surprised if I told you that the Navy has credited you with over 160 kills? Mm. Do you ever think that you might have seen things or done some things over there that you wish you hadn't? Oh, that's not me, no. What's not you? I was just protecting my guys. They were trying to kill our soldiers, and uh, I'm willing to meet my creator and ask for every shot that I took. The thing that uh, haunts me are all the guys that I couldn't save. Now I'm willing and able to be there, but I'm not. I'm here. I quit. You can walk down any hall in this hospital. We got plenty of soldiers need saving. Number seven. That was American Sniper, released in 2014, starring Bradley Cooper. If you ever need an extra dose of patriotism and to be proud of the red, white, and blue, this movie will do it to you every time. I'm sorry, so sorry. Richard, do I have a mark on my face? It really hurts. Nope, nothing. I thought I hit you on the shoulder. My shoulder doesn't hurt very much, but my face does. Right here. Not here or here so much, but right here. Nope, ship shape. Waitress, could I get that shrimp cocktail I saw in the glass case? Yep. And you, what can I get? Jesus, what happened to your face? I knew it. See, Richard. I'll have chicken wings. Kitchen's closed until dinner. Just got cold stuff and desserts. Boy, some chicken wings would really hit the spot. You sure it's closed? 
Let me check. Yep, it's closed. Okay. I'll just have a sugar packet or two. <laughs> hey, what's your name? Number six. That was Tommy Boy. Released in 1995, starring Chris Farley and David Spade. And when I die, on the short list of people that I want to meet is Mr. Chris Farley. Game like men. We are changed. We're going to change the way we run. We're going to change the way we eat. We're going to change the way we block. We're going to change the way we tackle. We're going to change the way we win. Let me ask you something, Mr. Campbell. Uh-huh. What kind of power you got? Oh, man, you know I got some soul power. Oh. What kind of power you got? What kind of question is that? I got soul power. Oh, yes, you do. Right on. Let me ask you something, now, Mr. Vertier. Yes. I'm too strong. What? I'm too strong. Too strong. I want a victory. Oh, I want a victory. I want a victory. I want a victory. Number five. That was Remember the Titans, released in 2000. This is the greatest sports movie of all time. Denzel Washington does an amazing job in the role as a coach in this movie. Hey. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right? All right. You got a dream, you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. You want something, go get it. Period. Number four, that was Pursuit of Happiness. This movie was released in 2006, starring Will Smith and his son, Jaden Smith. And 97% of this movie is sad, but the last 3% that is motivational is amazing. Dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something was actually strange. Let me ask you a question. You never really remember the beginning of a dream, do you? You always wind up right in the middle of what's going on. I guess, yeah. So how did we end up here? Well, we just came from the, uh... Think about it, Ariadne. How did you get here? Where are you right now? Number three. That was Inception, released in 2010, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. This movie blew my mind with how creative and out of the box it was. I'd never seen or thought of anything to this level prior to seeing this movie. And for the first time in my life, I remember walking out of the movie theater just with my jaw dragging on the floor with how amazed I was. Billy, we got 38 home runs and 120 RBIs. Guys, we're still trying to replace Giambi. I told you we can't do it. We can't do it. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. The what? Giambi's on-base percentage was 477. Damon's on base, 324. And Almeida's was 291. Add that up and you get 
Want me to speak? We're not pointing you yet. 1092. Divided by three. 364. That's what we're looking for. Three ball players, three ball players whose average OBP is. 364. Number two, that was none other than Moneyball. You should have seen this coming. Released in 2011, starring Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. And this was the first time I remember seeing Jonah Hill in more of a serious role. And I felt like he killed it in this movie. One of my Mount Rushmore dream jobs would be to run a major league baseball team. And I love how this movie is built to be a Cinderella story doing just that. And I thought my jokes were bad. Give me one reason why I shouldn't have my boy here pull your head off. How about a magic trick? I'm gonna make this pencil disappear. It's, it's gone. Oh, and by the way, the suit, it wasn't cheap. You ought to know, you bought it. Sit. I want to hear proposition. And number one, my favorite movie of all time is The Dark Knight, released in 2008, starring Heath Ledger as Joker. And if you're catching a theme here, I love Christopher Nolan movies. Three of my top 10 were all directed by Christopher Nolan. This movie, I remember it, watching it in the theater and feeling frightened by the villain. This is the first superhero movie that I truly felt uh, frightened by Joker. He Heath Ledger kills it in that role. And in my opinion, Batman is the greatest superhero because he is the people's champ. He's the only superhero that has no superpowers. And um, this series with Christian Bell as Batman is one of my favorites from Batman Begins all the way through. Um, I loved every one of the movies. And The Dark Knight seemed to be uh, a movie that I could watch over and over and over again and never get sick of. All right, so there you have it. There's my top 10 greatest movies of all time. And I have to throw in a couple honorable mentions here. As I mentioned, this was a tough list to consolidate. Uh, four honorable mentions. Number one has to be Anchorman. Will Ferrell is hilarious. Number two, Happy Gilmore. And the last two are warrior movies, Braveheart and The Lone Survivor. Um, I love those movies as well. All right, so now we're going to shift gears into the last segment of this podcast. And under this umbrella of entertainment, you know, we often find ourselves thinking about movies and music and some of these other great sources of entertainment that we have in our lives. Um, but also there's another form of entertainment that falls under this umbrella. And this form of entertainment, I don't think a lot of people really love to admit how overwhelming or consuming it has became in their lives. Um, however, it is far more prevalent and far more entertaining than any of the other two categories combined. 
And this form of entertainment that I am referencing is social media. And don't get me wrong, I am a big fan of social media. I spend a lot of time on there and probably more time than I care to admit. When my screen time activity report comes out every week, I am just disgraced in myself. But uh, if you can remember back to the very introduction, the very beginning, the introduction to this podcast, in that introduction, one of my core goals for this podcast was to cut through the myth of social media. And what I meant by that was a lot of different things. You know, I think there's a tendency for people my age to stay acquainted with each other online. And I've always thought that it was a little bit weird that I hadn't seen a friend of mine for 10 years, and yet I know every single detail about their life that's happened from the time we graduated till now. And when I happen across them in public, you know, saying hi to them and asking them about their lives is a little bit awkward because I feel like in some ways I already know all the answers to the questions I'm asking, but I don't want to admit that I know all of this through their social media, right? We're a little bit of a stalker society nowadays. And I found this to be true in my professional life as well. Recently, I had to go around to a lot of different individuals in the offices I go into and talk to them about um, enrolling in some social media accounts. And I was surprised to find that this was a very taboo topic. Uh, not hardly anyone in these offices wanted to admit that they had social media accounts or that they went on to them very often. And yet statistics would say otherwise, right? As a society, here are some of the averages that we spend on social media or other forms of entertainment. The average American spends five hours and 31 minutes per day on social media. They average 10 hours per week on Netflix. Uh, the total amount of hours that you're awake in a week is only 112 hours. So if you combine five and a half hours per day and 10 hours per week that you're spending on social media and Netflix, that's a total of 48 hours or nearly half of your waking hours is spent on social media or other forms of entertainment which I think is absolutely insane. And it's not like we as modern people today are getting more hours in the day. And so if we are truly spending almost half of our time on social media, there must be some takeaway from other critical areas of our lives, right? Time with our family, time one-to-one -one with individuals around us that we have relationships with, um, time from our spouses, where is that time going, right? What is suffering from the byproduct of being on our phones or on social media too much? Well, the truth is the individuals that are suffering the most from this is actually yourself. And, um, I know I'm sp speaking kind of passionately and from my own opinion, you may feel differently, 
But I want to reference a few things here, um, driving this point home a little further. And I want to do this in circling back to the very beginning of this podcast with the song Jumper. And that line that I told you to remember, cut ties with all the lies that you've been living in. And the reason why I want us to circle back to that quote is because the truth is, is that social media is really all one big giant lie. No one's lives are truly as great as portrayed online. No one's family is truly as perfect as they portray online. No one is as happy as they portray online. But we as a society who feast upon everything that is being posted online for literally hours a day have begun to reprogram our mind to think that that is what true happiness is. And that if we don't strive to perfect the perfect life, that we will never truly be happy or never be whole as a society or a person. And if you don't believe me, in preparation for this podcast, I did a little bit of research. And multiple studies have found a strong link between heavy social media use and increased risk of depression, anxiety, loneliness, self-harm, and in some cases, even suicide. Um, social media may promote negative experiences as an inadequacy in your own personal life. Uh, FOMO, right? The fear of missing out, feeling like you're always missing out from what's going on. And what's odd about this is this platform that's designed to make you social is actually isolating and starts to make you be more self-absorbed. It's really anti-social, social media, because you're able to chime into it or turn it on or click on it or flip your phone up anytime you don't want to be social in public. And so I did a little social experiment with myself and my wife recently in preparation for this episode. And I took a week off of social media. And I know that's the new fad. Once someone gets off of social media, they make a big post online and they pound their chest and they do exactly what they're trying not to do. And they bring more attention to themselves in that process. And, you know, by putting this podcast together, it may look like that's exactly what I was trying to do as well. But I promise you that my roots were genuine. I really wanted to see how addicted I was to this platform because honestly, I didn't feel like I had a problem at all. And I was amazed within hours of swearing off social media for a week, how quickly I was reaching for my phone to just swipe up and get on Instagram or Facebook or whatever was uh, the interest of the moment. And it took a real focus to make sure those first couple days that this wasn't happening. Um, but as time went on in that week, it became easier and easier to uh, live without that. What I wrote down as a couple items that I felt like I walked away from that week um, experiencing, number one, I felt like I was far more productive at work and at home without the, the distractions of social media. Um, number two, I spent a lot more quality time with my family 
Uh, number three, I felt like overall I was a much happier person. It was interesting, though, some of the side effects of this. I, in some ways, felt a lot more isolated. I felt like the world was a lot larger than it was when I was on social media. And it required me to be a little bit more deliberate in reaching out to people around me to get that social fix throughout the day. Now, this social experiment was a few weeks ago, and I have to admit, I've been on social media, and in some ways, my social media habits have been pretty much continued just like they did before this experiment. And this is an ongoing thing I need to work at over and over again to get better. But in coming back to social media, there's been a couple light bulb moments that I've had um, in returning to the platform. And number one is it is apparent that these are ran as businesses built with you in mind to get you to be their product, right? Um, you know, as you click and as you scroll and as you go through these processes, you're receiving little dopamine hits, right? And it gets to the point where you crave that dopamine hit. And that's different from the Facebook and Instagram that we all remember and ran to when it very first began, right? In the inception of Facebook, it was just a way for friends to connect online. It was truly a better version of the news. You could find out news in all of your friends' lives rather than hearing about all these people that you've never met before on the TV news stations, right? And Instagram was a fun way to see different pictures from your friends and family across the world and like those. And since then, they've built these platforms to be heavily addictive. And although, you know, the companies that run these don't really like to admit that, they are truly a business. And those businesses are built to be profitable. And they are bringing in billions and billions of dollars every year based off of the amount of users that they can attract to their platform. And so you're probably seeing where this is headed, right? Every week I leave these episodes with a challenge and I challenge you to find a way in your personal life to remove the distracting forms of entertainment, whether that be social media or whatever else it is to bring you more time with your family, your friends, the people that actually matter in your lives to promote greater happiness and better mental health. And in closing, I just wanna share one final thought to drive this point home a little further. And this is a thought that was shared with me with one of my good friends on my mission. And I have to admit, the theory has became a little bit of taint, little tainted since this time uh, because of some allegations of doping and steroid abuse from this individual. But I think the concepts therein are still true concepts. And this is called the Lance Armstrong theory. And the premise of this theory is when Lance Armstrong was training for races, uh, he, ran, he won so many Tour de France's uh, because he focused on the decline of those races 
And in cycling, I'm not a big cyclist. I don't understand all of this. But in cycling, there's forever been a theory that you want to focus on the incline portions of the race and try to gain your distance on your competition during those incline portions of the race. And if you could climb a couple places um, in those inclines, you could maintain those positions on the decline portion and therefore put you in a better position to win that race. Well, Lance Armstrong focused on the opposite of that. And when people were coasting around him or when they were on override going on the decline portions of a race, he wanted to kick it into high gear and to make up the ground to potentially win that race. And I think that this is a great theory for us in life, that if we want to better ourselves or positions ourselves to be better in our profession or with our families and our relationships, um, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish your goals, if you can focus on doing the little things when other people are maybe coasting or kicking it into auto drive, that's how you can gain distance. That's how you can naturally hit your or accomplish your goals. And so this is a perfect example in this comparison with social media where people are doing a pretty mindless task of entertaining themselves. If you can find little things to do, productive things throughout your life and throughout your day, that in a week's time you can find yourself far more productive or far more efficient in your tasks in life because you were able to supplement a mindless activity with something that would get you to your goals. And so I challenge you to do that this week. I challenge you to cut through the ties with all the lies that you've been living in and to truly cut through the myth of social media. I hope you have a great week and thank you for listening. Can you put the past away?